I'm launching a course called Successful ADHD Entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur for a long time, and I've had ADHD for a little bit longer than that. Over that time, I've learned quite a few things that make me quite effective. People even call me organized. After many people asked me to, I have created a course to share what I've learned with you. Get details at neurodiversity.me course. The first run is limited to only 20 students, and the first class is April 20th, so don't put this one off neurodiversity.me slash course. My name is Michael Whitehouse, the guy who knows a guy. I'm a global connector, networking concierge, and coach. For two decades, I believed that my ADHD was a disability. Only at the age of 41 would I come to realize that my ADHD was an incredible asset, and when I leaned into that, I achieved greater success than ever before. ADHD is the engine behind my own success as a networker and coach. Over the past few years, I've spoken with thousands of entrepreneurs and found that many of them have some kind of neurodiverse diagnosis, ADHD, autism, dyslexia, OCD, and more. Like me, for many of them, their neurodiversity is indeed the very source of their success. On this show, we will change the narrative on neurodiversity. I've heard enough about the challenges and how hard it can be. I want to hear about how awesome we are. It's time to start talking about how our neurodiversity can be an asset for ourselves, our communities, and our businesses. It's time to start talking about neurodiversity superpowers. Hello, and welcome to the Neurodiversity Superpowers podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whitehouse, the guy who knows a guy. And today we have Tim B. Green, who, based in our green room conversation, ah, green room, green. It's not a joke. I don't know. Anyway, but he's going to be awesome. Uh, it's one of those things we were talking. I'm like, I got to hit record now because we're getting all the good stuff before we hit record. So Tim is a lifelong inventor, a student of everything. He lives in Japan while helping business leaders and their senior leadership all over the world use their brains better. And he teaches them to use simple, modern, and ancient techniques that are verified by cognitive neuroscience. He also has an incredible story of how he learned he has ADHD, or as I call it, uh, ADN. I often say ADN, attention deficit neurotype, because the D in ADHD is disorder. So that seemed like something you'd appreciate. Mm-hmm. We were talking before the show about how uh, ADHD, ADN, is not so much a disability as a problem interacting with teachers. And so they give people a lot of drugs. And he's got a great story about the... Uh, the most stone guy at Burning Man, um, which I definitely, Tim, want you to share on the show. But let's uh, start with your story sure. of how you discovered you have ADHD, because that's a great story. Well, it was interesting, and I'm glad I found out as an adult rather than as a child. And that was, I was in my second or third year of neuroscience, uh, studying neuroscience as my undergrad. And um, I decided, I learned from my girlfriend at the time, she said, well, I have ADHD. I was like, you can't have ADHD, you're an adult. That's a kid's thing. And she goes, no, 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 adults can have it too. I was like, really? So I did a little bit of research and then I realized she would make a great case study for my neuroscience, my term paper. Upon doing the research for that, I kind of thought, well, you know, this sounds kind of a lot like me. So I phoned my mom. And when I said, mom, I think I have ADHD, she laughed. I was like, what? She's like, I could have told you that. And then she proceeded to actually tell me a story about how I behaved when I was young and how she calmed me down. And that was sometimes I'd be squirming, especially as a young child plus ADHD. And she would actually basically straight jacket me in a hug and I'm doing this 
thing here. And she said, Tim, are you ready? Are you going to be okay now? Yeah. And then she put me down and I was fine. She just knew that all she needed to do is basically get my attention, hold mm-hmm. on to me, and then calm me down. And I have one more, but I may or may not tell it depending on the time we have here. And okay. The bedtime ritual. Yeah, go for it. Take it away. Oh, okay. So the bedtime ritual was just, um, let's just say even today, I'm what you'd call direct. And it's another thing that is can be associated with ADHD in terms of social cues and that. But when I was a child, I'm told, I don't remember this, but it went something like this. They would put me in bed. They'd kiss me. They'd say, good night, love you. And I'd say, good night, love you. Get out. Uh-huh. I find that hilarious, mm-hmm. but I can see myself having done that, even though I don't, I don't remember doing so. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, uh, it, it's interesting. Um, we're talking about the, the straight jacket thing. Cause I, I believe one of the things I'm finding with ADHD, cause there's, I've, I've, um, ADHD as well, is that if all of my input channels can be filled without requiring analysis that overwhelms, that I am happier. So for example, I take mm-hmm. flying lessons. Uh, as I can afford them. And the more my business grows, the more I can afford, which is always great. And flying, because it's like three-dimensional, you know, the plane moves in, in three planes and you have to keep track of all these different things. My brain is full. I'm not thinking about what happened this morning. I'm not thinking about what I need to do. I'm thinking about which way are the wings, where's the horizon, the throttle, you know, it's enough to keep my brain full. Find some video games in the same way if they're engaging enough. Uh, you know, like like I've, I've started getting to Fortnite and partly it's that. It's the game is engaging enough that there's, there's all these things to keep track of, keeps my brain full. Whereas instead of I have a bunch of different things, like I got to send this email, respond to this. I got a podcast coming up. I need to promote this and this. And this. Then when it's disaligned, I am unhappy. When it is aligned, but filling it, I'm happy. And I feel like the, the, the bear hug the same way is there's enough input channels from the physical contact mm-hmm. and force that the brain says, oh, 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 we got, okay, everything's, we're good, good. Whereas the ADHD brain, yeah. we're constantly seeking stimulation because we need to fill all the input channels. Right. I like that analogy. When you were saying that, I was thinking, well, that's because what you're talking about is there is all unified input. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not just filling the channels. It's all unified. It's about your your orientation in three dimensional space. Mm-hmm. And all of that's coming at you at once, but they're not from different things. It's all towards a specific singular end. And that's why it's easier for to focus on that. That makes perfect sense to me. Yep. I found even like running an event, like when I, when I run live at live events, um, mm-hmm. if I was doing operations type work, it was, fi- it was putting out fires. I only had to deal with things that came to me. I didn't have to be looking for problems. People would come to me with problems because mm-hmm. uh, that, that's mm-hmm. one of the challenges being alert to things. Whereas if it's just like, here's your next problem, solve it. Got it. Okay. Next. All right. Same thing with the plane. You look around. Okay. Where's the nose? What's the speed? What's the wing attitude? And whatever, there's only a limited number of inputs you need to pay attention to. And as long as you pay attention to all those, you don't have to remember, okay, what, was there a plane I was supposed to look at 10 minutes from now? You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's what uh, at least drives my ADHD brain kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, and that makes sense too. I'm, I'm a teacher and I actually take the assistant or the uh, somebody other than me to take care of time. It was mm-hmm. like, I am a hundred percent in the moment when I am teaching and time does not exist. So mm. I get that. And it's sort of like, very much keeping track of the live interaction. I basically what it is, is what are the students saying? 
and how could that be relevant to what I'm doing? I go in with a very loose framework, mm-hmm. but it always works because I'm paying attention to the interaction. Mm, yes. Um, so let's get back to the three questions I normally start with now that we're however many minutes in. Um, so, because uh, I find these, these, these questions kind of give a good framework for the conversation. And, you know, being a host of ADHD, it's useful to have a framework. Um, so mm-hmm. the first question is, of course, describe how you are successful. Well, I'm successful in that um, I have, I'm 55 and I've spent about 40 of those uh, exercising usually um, three to six days a week. So I'm successful in that way. Mm-hmm. I typically read or rather listen to these days about a book a week and have done so for probably approaching a decade. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you kind of learn some things that way. And um, as a teacher, I'm successful as a teacher. I could teach uh, CEOs to three-year-olds, and they're not necessarily especially different if you look at them with the right frame. Mm. And I do a video a day for my neurocognitive leadership and design thing, which is, in in a sense, very related to what we're talking about. Awesome. So, and, and now describe how you are neurodiverse. What is your, what is, what type of superpower do you have? Well, it is definitely ADHD. And as I said, I didn't know about it. And that's actually a really powerful thing because I could have pre-university found a reason because of the, as you said, I like what you say about not adding the last D on the end, mm-hmm. because it's, it's as much of a disorder to us as as um what is that thing called um temple brandon has it Mm. so temple brandon's actually a famous she has a phd and she has i can't remember it's not asperger's but it's one of those one of those syndromes she's on the spectrum verbal and high functioning and with a phd okay and as she as she said she uh she basically said, if it wasn't for people with these disorders, we'd probably still be back in the cave. Mm, yep. And that's probably the final and lifelong thing, as you said, is inventing. I solve problems. Even what I do now to me is just applying inventing and problem solving, which to me is usually self-evident. When I see a problem, especially outside of myself, I usually have a pretty good idea what the solution is, whether it's mm-hmm how to apply behavior or how to make a physical mechanism, which is where I started. So I did that for about product development for about 10 years. Okay. Uh, and would you say that your, your attention deficit neurotype is, is part of what makes you so good at solving those problems? A hundred percent. It's like my brain doesn't really shut off a lot of times for good mm-hmm. and bad. Um, it's also why even though it's good for everybody, meditating is especially good for me and other people who have, have uh, whatever you said it was, ADA, what was your, I like your- Attention deficit neurotype. Right, exactly. So with ADN, it's especially advantageous to that, but totally, it's almost painfully obvious to me things that, well, if you've heard of Makani, which is the kite power thing, that Google struggled with for about seven years. 
I have the solution, but you know, I don't have a PhD or a degree in engineering of any type. So I would actually have to demonstrate it before they would believe that. And Bill Gates's Heliogen, not that impressed with it. I have a simpler, cheaper, better solution. <laughs> nice. And it's honestly, it's obvious to me. And I just, all I have to do is prove it. Mm-hmm. But that's going to take money I don't have. So I need somebody crazy enough who has, has engineering background to say, hmm, he's not a tinfoil hat guy. He's just a guy without a degree who actually knows what he's talking about or without an engineering degree. Hmm. So absolutely. That's because of the ADN. Or someone might hear this on the show. So if you hear this on the show, reach out. But if not, I'll see you. I I might know some people I can put you in touch with. Um, Actually, I'd like to touch on, you mentioned meditation. I think a lot of, a -hmm. lot of people with, with ADN, they, you know, they hear meditation. They're like, all right, wait, so quiet my mind. So there's no thoughts in it. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what you, how your brain works, but, um, but there are, but certainly some people have been very successful uh, meditating mm-hmm. with it, but it's obviously not simply have no thoughts in your mind because that is never a condition, never a state that we find ourselves in. So what do you do? How do you, how do you meditate that is effective? I do the very simple um, pay attention to your breath. I started with a mantra and I just used one. I'm not religious or anything. So that isn't, I actually learned it from a book on neuroscience many years ago before I had actually studied neuroscience. And ironically, I use something that is another typical thing of people with ADN, and that is interrupting. Mm -hmm. It is very hard sometimes to keep your, touch your lips together and not speak because you're excited and you want to say your thoughts before you forget them. And um, so I actually use my own sort of interruption capacity when just intense focusing on the breath, which is then to fill the mind, Mm -hmm. I'm still concentrating on something, right? I'm still doing something with my mind that I will actually use the breath to interrupt my thoughts. Hmm. So you're interrupting your yourself. Yes. That's a great concept. ADNs are good at that. And so you're just, you're filling your, filling your mind with your breath. And so any available space is filled in the same way that I might fill it with flying an airplane. Uh, and so right. any thoughts that come in, you interrupt those and be like, no, 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 breathing. It's just that it, even, even more so it isn't even not now. It's just literally using the breathing as the, the, a more polite meditative version of shut up. You're, you're breathing right now. You're not thinking about that invention. Interesting. That's a great, yeah. great concept. And I, 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 hopefully a lot of our listeners will get some value out of that because I know a lot of people with, with ADN would benefit from meditation. Uh, I've, mm-hmm. when I can get into a meditative state, I've, I have not mastered meditation in any way, but when I can kind of get into that type of space, I found a lot of, of value in that. Uh, and, and I know for me, sometimes it's almost a kind of anxiety of like, but I need to think about these things. What if I don't think about them? And once I finally realized you know, the cure to cancer is not in my head right now and will not be. Mm-hmm. So like whatever thought just popped into my head is not of earthbreaking importance. And I can rededuce it even if I do forget it entirely. So it can go as they let go of that anxiety that every thought you have is vitally important, that it must enter the universe. Some of them can, not all of them are, are earthshakingly brilliant. Some are just that thing you thought of. Mm-hmm. Well, I like what you said there. And although it's extremely rare, like I meditate 
almost every day, mm-hmm. every day, whenever I can, uh, immediately upon waking works best for me. Mm. But the thing is too, if it's, this is that life changing or universe changing thought, and I can't get rid of it uh, with insistent effort, then I might just stop and do a brain dump, which is also something I do with inventions and ideas, business ideas, any idea, video ideas, Mm. is especially if I'm having trouble sleeping, but as I said, extremely rarely when I'm meditating, if it just won't go away, I'll get up, I'll record it, and then I can go back. Same with, like I said, falling asleep is just do the brain dump yeah, it's it being very powerful. Uh, so, so we were talking before we went on the air about uh, your thoughts on on heavily medicating children, um, and I'd be I'd interested to have you share the, the your the Burning Man story that you were talking about as well. Oh, great! Uh, well, that's sort of where it started because I have attended Burning Man exactly once, and I ran into this gentleman who was already I would say late thirties, early forties, and he was just like this. Well. <laughs> I'm on my ADHD medication. I don't sleep much, but I get a lot done. He was, and, and as I said, this is Burning Man, and it may shock you, but a lot of people there use recreational drugs. He was the most wasted person I interacted with on the playa at Burning Man before he took anything like that. This was his prescribed doctor medicated <laughs> thing, and he was brain dead. In any sense of the word, mm-hmm. it was, he was barely able to speak. He was speaking so slow. And I know a student of mine who had ADHD and it was like, oh, well, the doctor said I have ADHD. It's like, great. So do I. Fortunately, my mom was wise enough to never medicate me. Mm-hmm. It just meant that I had to learn it. Not without challenges, but, you know, everybody has challenges of some type. Mm-hmm. And I... because he was like almost a young adult, I warned him, I says, first of all, most doctors know absolutely nothing about ADHD. Me with my Bachelor of Neuroscience and one paper under my belt, know radically more than your average MD who (laughs) knows nothing about it. He reads a list of symptoms and you say yes and no. There's lots of reasons why that's a bad approach as it is, but there is no objective test for ADN. So that's all they can do. And then they make a kid stoned out of their mind and the teacher goes, yay, they're so much better behaved Mm -hmm. when there's simple techniques they do as both a teacher and an ADN human being. I can tell you it's not rocket science and the vast majority of the time, I have no problems managing ADN students. Mm -hmm. And they take an instant for somebody who lives it to recognize one's kin, one's neurokin. Yeah, I like that, neurokin. And and I I think one description I've used when people ask, ask, you know, what is is ADHD, ADN? I say is the inability to pay attention to boring things. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Yeah. you know, when I launched this podcast, an opportunity presented itself. I needed to get the podcast out the door five weeks early. I got up mm-hmm. Saturday morning, and three hours later, I had five episodes produced online, and this being uploaded to Apple uh, to Apple Podcasts. I did it in three hours, nonstop, because it was interesting. Mm-hmm. I was focused. I wasn't doing anything else. 
I was hyper-focused, which is the, the, the flip side of the coin. But, you know, that I could drive right into. Whereas if I try to, if I have something that's a bunch of like little fiddly follow-up kind of things, it'll take me three weeks. I'm like, oh, I got to do one. Okay, I'll do the other one tomorrow. Because those mm-hmm. are not things that, have, that, that, that grab the attention. But deployed the right way, you know, it's not that we can't pay attention to things. We can't pay attention to boring things. I love that. I love that because that's exactly when I am a master of the universe or at least have enough money to hire somebody out full time. My only job will be to deliver solutions. It's like, oh, here's a problem. Okay, here's a solution Mm -hmm. and go only far enough that somebody who cannot see into my brain understands how to do it. And the rest is up to them, even for like engineering things is like, okay, here's the thing that Bill Gates is looking for because a thousand Celsius is nothing and that's unremarkable. And they used a lot of technology to get there. Here's a way to do it. Here's a way to do it. Like literally only being able to tell an engineer or an animator or whoever far enough that they can then understand what I mean. And that's all I need to deal with. So literally just a solution generating machine. That's what I live for is Mm. in in Japanese, it's called ikigai or your purpose, your life's motivation or reason for living. I live to invent. And whether it's for the consulting that I do, that's just inventing solutions for business. Oftentimes it's, you know, how to market better or how to better engage your employees, which ironically enough, probably has a lot to do with them being bored out of their mind because mm-hmm. everybody has trouble paying attention to stuff that's too boring mm-hmm. so speaking of things that i assume are not boring tell me about your your uh crush it club oh so crush it club is um it's i call it neurocognitive leadership and design that's a fancy way of saying using actual science rather than superstition and many of the crazy things like the eight second attention span that has nothing to do with real science <laughs> essentially it's taking um business problems and business challenges, how to think better. I like to say, take what, uh, do what you do better, uh, do what you do best, even better. So it's Mm. about training leaders and their senior leadership, how to be more effective at whatever they're doing via insights from neuroscience, cognitive science, or science in general. It's very empirical. Most of the hearsay you say you see online like the eight second thing, mm-hmm. I am very proud to be a myth buster of pseudoscientific nonsense. Mm. Yeah, I know the, the using only 10% of your brain is one of those myths. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have no real idea how much it is. Mm-hmm. And we don't really have the capability unless they've radically changed the technology very recently to really measure that. It's And it's sort of silly, too, because if you want to talk about that, it's like, well, we probably use all of our brain. We just don't use all of our brain at once because that would probably be like um, death. Yeah. Right. Of course, we use certain parts of our brain. So it's just mainly it's a way to dumb down something that doesn't need to be dumbed down that far Mm -hmm. to say we only use a limited amount of our capacity most of the time, which is, of course, true. Yeah, but which that that makes a lot of sense. Um, and so, so you say you work with with leaders mm-hmm. to uh, to achieve 
success and purpose. Um, so have you worked with leaders helping, helping them work with neurodiverse teams or neurodiverse team members? Um, no, actually I haven't. The closest I've done to that is in my, cause I, because I've been here in Japan for a long time teaching English is mostly mm-hmm. some adults who probably don't know their ADHD and how mm-hmm. to help them manage themselves. You know, actually, let me say that another way. Maybe I have, because some of the uh, C-suite leaders I've dealt with definitely showed some indications. Oh, yeah. And I did help them focus and I did help them nail some stuff down. But most of the time I see it in kids because especially because they don't have the, as can't remember the, the actor's or singer's name who said it, but people never really grow up. They only learn how to act in public. Mm. So even... It, even ADN adults at the very least have some socializing to maybe inhibit it. Whereas kids are pure and geniuses, but it also means that that's right on the surface. Yeah. And it's much easier to identify in, in young kids. Yeah. And I, I think that is some of the challenge too, is that kids, you know, with kids are teaching them, you know, show your work, do it this way at this time in this way, worse than any cubicle job in terms of, of, getting into the the a to b to c to d to e and once you're working a job or running your own business then you do things the way that you like i i have more energy in the morning and the afternoon so my meetings are in the afternoon my work is in the morning but if i work for someone mm-hmm. else or i was in school they'd be like you're gonna be in school till three o'clock but i get really tired at one tough cookies yeah. you're gonna be in school till three o'clock and i don't know why you can't pay attention because i can't pay attention to anything yeah. after one o'clock you know, unless, it, unless yeah. it's a direct engagement. Um, so as an adult, as an entrepreneur, I can do that, whereas kids can't. So I think that that definitely makes sense for why, for a lot of why you'd see um, kids having the most problems because the teachers want, you know, 30 kids to all march in lockstep so they're easier to teach. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and what you said is interesting there because that has to do with circadian, two things, actually. One is circadian rhythms. Mm-hmm. That is, I mean, Right now, it's 2.40 a.m. Japan time. Mm-hmm. And, and this is rather what I prefer. I would oh. rather get up between 2 and 5 p.m., my local time, no matter what time zone I'm in, and rock on that. And then, you know, go exercise in the morning before it gets too hot because it's warm here in Japan in the summer. Mm-hmm. And then around 5 or 6, it's probably time to go to bed. <laughs> a.m., that is. So... And the other thing you said I thought was interesting was uh, something, because I'm a big fan of Daniel Pink, and he talks about mastery, autonomy, and purpose. Mm -hmm. That is, this isn't just uh, uh, ADN people. In fact, most of the techniques which help us be better at what we're doing and maximize our superpowers, most of them are really good organizational techniques for most people. Mm, Yes. That mastery, autonomy, purpose is, allow people to do what they can or, or give, give people something that it, uh, allows them to improve continuously and cha- challenge them to get better and better at something. Mm-hmm. Let them do it any damn well way they please. That's the autonomy and the purpose that what they're doing matters more than just that they're getting paid to do it, that it has yeah. a larger purpose. And those three things are what science show us to be what creates maximally engaged satisfied and happy employees and yet it's more like the kindergarten where this is an happy time you're going to do this and then you're going to do this which is why i love the uh 
in a sense, as much as COVID has been a terrible thing, I love it in that, A, it showed us we don't need to be afraid of technology. Mm-hmm. This meeting wouldn't have occurred without that pandemic happening. Yep. And that people can work remotely in their homes. They aren't, though there is a certain amount of fundamental laziness in our species, that's true. At the same time, if they can do it at home, they can be as or even more productive than they are at work. If you treat them like infants, they will behave like infants. Mm, true, true. Yeah, no, that's that's totally true. And and also, you know, one of the things I talk about in my in the keynote I give on on uh, neurodiversity superpowers is the idea of you know if you have someone who's maybe a great engineer but super introvert, so they need a lot of time to recover and decompress from social interactions. Don't make them go to three meetings a day. Just let them do engineering. You know, maybe one meeting a week or maybe have have a supervisor or a partner or whatever who interacts with the rest of the team and just let them do what they're great at. Because if you let them be great in the way they're great, you'll get a great worker who's happy and, and you know, will work hard and long and make great results. But if you try to make them do what they're not good at, you know, if you try to make me do engineering, you would not be happy with the results. I like math. It's fun. But the attention required for that kind of thing probably wouldn't, uh, w- you know, you wouldn't like. But you need someone to go to 10 meetings a day. I'm your guy. That's totally me. I'll go to all the meetings you want. So, you know, put people in their zone of genius and they're geniuses. Sure. Yeah. And, and we underutilize people or yep. misutilize people in doing what you just described. It's like, well, you need to do this. It's like, well, do we really need to do that? I, I, I actually recently did a video about that saying how some people just want to be satisfied in their work life mm-hmm. and their job structure and their focus should be different than if they want to grow and become the next CEO. Mm-hmm. It's like the one who wants to run hard at the overtime, the ones who are good at their job but hate doing overtime and rather spend time with their family transfer it over you literally have both types you have people who is like i'm just not satisfied with my job because it's robbing my life or making my life unpleasant yep but i'm good because everybody thinks that just because you're good at something it means it's what you like that's (laughs) not necessarily true that's a naive sort of understanding of it and the other one is there are people who are go-getters who are probably feeling underutilized or passed over and they're going give me more give me that show me where I need to go and I'll kill myself to get there. And other people were going, quit giving me OT. I hate it. Wouldn't we make both people happier if we just give the OT to the go-getter who wants to expand and let this person go home on time so they can spend time with their family? Oh, yeah. And, and this is one of the great things that, that the neurotypical world can learn from the neurodiverse world is you know, a lot of neurodiverse people, they need to accommodate in a certain way. So they need decompression time. They need to focus. Otherwise, if they don't accommodate properly, they are, you know, sub, sub-functional. Uh, whereas even a neurotypical person, they might be functional, not accommodating the way they function. But if they would accommodate it, they would be much higher functioning. Uh, and But because it's not crucial, it's not like they can't work. People are like, eh, good enough. It's fine. They're functional. They can get up in the morning. They're good enough. And I think there's a lot to be learned from from that that kind of accommodation. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking of accommodation, I believe we are coming towards the end of our time. I didn't actually set a timer when I started. I'm so used to Zencaster, mm-hmm. which has a timer built in. 
and uh, now I'm using Zoom. And so I need to accommodate that. I'll get to it eventually. Um, so how can people connect with you if they want to learn more or, or uh, follow your show or anything else? Sure. Um, I guess I could share uh, the easiest one is just my my email, because that's mm -hmm. the only thing that comes immediately to my brain. And that is Tim at crush hyphen it hyphen club.com. It's literally like you see up here. Okay, exactly the same. Or they can look me up on YouTube. I am the only channel called crush it club. Oh, okay, lots of crush it. I'm the only club. All right. And at crushitclub.com, is that your website as well? Um, Crush-it-club.com. Okay. Very good. Well, this has been great. It's been a whole lot of fun talking to a, a fellow ADNer. Um, so someone recently was talking about how the, the appropriate language for autism shifted from person with autism to autistic person, which is a flip. Um, and it makes sense because what they're saying is if you have autism then that's what you are it's not just the thing you have it's not like person with a cold uh it's it's part of your identity and i realize mm -hmm. there's no grammatical construction in which adhd or even adn like you could say ad adner i guess but it doesn't quite have the same um we don't have the same cool title the autists do Bummer. right and so that Thank you for actually bringing up that word because that was the one that had actually escaped me. Temple Brandon, mm -hmm. who is the famous genius of animal behavior in uh, feedlots and that. Yep. She has autism. Okay. She's high functioning autism. And she has a TED talk about we'd still be in caves banging rocks together if it wasn't for the, the neuroatypical or the ADN because they're the ones making all the inventions. Mm, yes. It is true. And that's why we have the superpowers, yeah. which is what we're celebrating on this show. And thus we have brought it all the way full circle and thus can conclude. Good job, Tim. Mission accomplished. We stayed focused. Not bad. By our powers combined. All right. Well, thanks for being on the show. This has been lots of fun. And uh, thanks, Mike. I, I enjoyed it. Enjoyed your stories. And I will check out that Crush It Club as well. So thank you so much. Thanks very much. Take care, Michael. Bye-bye. This has been the Neurodiversity Superpowers Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whitehouse. Sign up to get every episode at neurodiversitysuperpowers.me. Join our Facebook group on facebook.com slash groups slash neurodiversity superpowers. Thank you so much for joining us, and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. I'm launching a course called Successful ADHD Entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur for a long time, and I've had ADHD for a little bit longer than that. Over that time, I've learned quite a few things that make me quite effective. People even call me organized. After many people ask me to, I have created a course to share what I've learned with you. Get details at neurodiversity.me course. The first run is limited to only 20 students, and the first class is April 20th, so don't put this one off neurodiversity.me slash course.